first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. And today, I am fortunate enough to be joined by Jeff Stotts. He is a certified athletic trainer. He runs one of the best injury analysis sites and, and, and provides some of the best research and data on that that you can find out there. I'm super psyched to have Jeff on and get to talk with him and pick his brain a little bit because I am a... Actually, I, I forgot to tell you this before we got in. I flunked out of uh, being... A, um, a sports scientist and getting into kinesiology. I originally went to Michigan State to, to get a degree in kinesiology. I worked for the football team for a little bit. And then I realized I really don't like taking science courses. So I ended up in sports writing. That's my long soliloquy to get you in here. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing well. You know, I followed a similar path. I was on the med school track and I was like, man, this is not for me. I'm not having fun studying for the MCAT, and this is just the entrance exam. So kind of combine my passions of sports and, and athletic training or in, you know, medicine and into athletic training. So we've all been there, man. We all take different different routes to get where we are. So completely understand. Yeah, definitely. Uh, things work out for a reason for sure. And uh, so it's interesting, obviously, looking at uh, the Indiana Pacers situation and, and talking about Victor Oladipo, who's obviously, you know, Indiana's most important player, star player. It, it's funny because I reached out. I don't remember when I reached out to you, but it, it worked out perfectly that we're talking now because if we talked a couple of days ago, uh, we still would have thought Victor was for sure not playing. And now, you know, obviously that's been up in the air a little bit, obviously not for certain. I, I kind of want to dive into a little bit uh, what his injury really is. You know, I just want to be objective with this. I think a lot of people look at it in terms of, you know, he's just, he should have been rehabbing this entire time. There should be nothing wrong. He was playing games before why can't he play now? And obviously I have a limited idea, you know, for the most part of how sports injuries and everything work, but, you know, from playing sports and from being involved with athletes, uh, you know, just the way that I'm looking at it, it's one thing to go from being full go, you know, and he was on a minutes restriction still um, and was, had a couple of re-aggravation injuries. So it, it wasn't really full go, but then you go off no real cool down because these guys are, you know, they're, they're not just going home and doing nothing. Some of them were uh, doing just as much with different means. So, you know, you're doing the same exercises in different ways that maybe it won't be as balanced. And uh, I feel like that opens up a lot of, uh, a lot of potential issues heading into the bubble uh, in terms of, you know, fatigue and injury. And uh, especially with Victor, who's coming off that huge injury layoff and trying to come back from a significant injury, um, I feel like that opens up a whole other can of problems. And so I just want to turn it over to you and ask, you know, um, obviously it's a, it's a knee injury uh, to his quad. It's a very weird injury and just kind of explain uh, why it, it maybe makes sense for, for Victor to be feeling this way. Yeah. So let, let's start with the injury itself. Cause, cause that's, that's important to understand what's going on there. So he's, he's got a quadricep. He, quadricep tendons there when he when he suffered that injury when he got that leg trapped underneath him and, and he went down he tore the quad tendon which if you re- look down at your quad big meaty muscle the front of your leg 
um, it extends down and actually attaches and inserts on the lower leg bone on the tibia. The patella floats in the tendon of that quad, quad muscle. Um, below the kneecap, we call that the patellar tendon. Above it is the quadricep tendon. And the area below the, the, the kneecap, the patellar tendon, is what we usually see injured uh, in basketball. Karan Butler, Baron Davis, these guys have all had torn patellar, uh, you know, ruptured patellar tendons. Um, Vic's injury is a little bit different. It was the quad tendon, so above the kneecap. Um, so, so where that tendon attaches to the muscle, to the muscle belly, is where that tear is. There weren't many um, comparative injuries for the NBA. It's relatively rare. Um, you've had a lot of partial tears. I think J.R. Smith was one, Blake Griffin. Um, but, but really the only guy that I had a good comparison for was, was Tony Parker. Tony Parker suffered a similar injury in the playoffs um, several years back. So, so you're dealing with a unique injury in, a, in its of itself. So, and, and the thing there is the quad is extremely important to the biomechanics of the leg. Uh, you know, you can have a trickle down effect if there's a weakness in the quad to the hamstring group. And when you have any kind of imbalance developing in the muscle group, you can put your ligaments at risk. Um, you can, you know, create an imbalance, which is going to throw off the left leg or the opposite leg. Um, and, and so it's, it's a tricky situation to, to manage a, re, a rehab. Now you couple that with this extremely unique, unprecedented scenario where we're, he was back playing, and then all of a sudden the league just shuts down. And, and it doesn't just shut down from gameplay. We have, you know, guys quarantined and isolated to their homes. They can't go into the facilities. And, you know, the Indiana medical staff is one of the best in the league. They've historically been in the top five for, for keeping their players on the court, minimal games lost. You know, they are proactive in preventative care. Um, they, they've done a great job with the guys that they have had. Um, I think you've seen the, the trust of the Indiana front office for them to invest in guys that have been red flagged previously, knowing that Josh Corbeil, Sean Wendell, those guys are going to take care of those players. I mean, you know, they, they drafted Sumner. Uh, they, 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 they added Brogdon. All these guys had medical red flags, and they trust the, uh, the medical staff to handle those. Uh, and, and so with, with Oladipo cut off from those guys, it's going to completely alter what his rehab was. And I know he worked with his personal trainer um, and you've seen some quotes from him floating around about the importance of, of, the, of the, the quad and making sure it's a healthy and hundred percent. But, you know, we, we were in a unique situation and, and doing stuff via, you know, zoom or virtually or, or telecommunications is tough. You know, it, it's just, it's really hard to, to do any kind of rehab like that. It's possible, but you're still not getting the same care of, hey, touching, you know, interacting directly with the guy, touching the muscle group, feeling scar tissue, feeling, you know, how, how are you feeling? What's it look like? Measuring range of motion, measuring strength, all these things can be very difficult to do um, socially from a social distance. Um, uh, so you throw that all together, and I was not really surprised to think to see that Vic was a little bit hesitant to, to, to have him say, Hey, um, I don't really feel where I was. And, and you mentioned that he had some back spasms kind of creep up on him as well on his comeback. And he still was on a minutes restriction. So he clearly wasn't hundred percent. There were flashes, you know, one, I think one of his last games, it really kind of, he looked like himself again. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it, it's generally, you want to give an injury roughly of this magnitude, roughly a year to make sure you're hundred percent. It's usually not the first season back. We see recovery from the guys. It's the second season coming back. So, um, and it got put on pause, you know, and so we're coming back. Um, I, I like the fact that he's starting to, to, to insinuate that he's going to be back. Um, I kind of had a feeling once he got with the medical staff of Indiana and was able to 
move around and feel and they were able to handle his workload and gradually build him up, that he might feel a little bit different. So it's, it's encouraging to see that he is feeling better. And look, we can't deny there's a financial you know, component of this as well. But, you know, it, it's a scenario that's tricky. It's not as easy as, oh, hey, he's sitting out. Like, it's, it's very, very complex. And it's, it's, not, it's not something that can be taken lightly, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, uh, you know, with everything that I, I can say that I understand from what you're saying, I, I totally agree. Um, but no, you put that in great terms and um, that makes a lot of sense. It's a lot of stuff that I, you know, I didn't necessarily know. Um, and I think one thing that, that Victor said in, in a media call yesterday that uh, kind of rings true with what you're saying in, in my thoughts. Um, I mean, he didn't have those game reps to get back in. And I think there's a big difference between, um, being able to rehab on your own or even with the training staff and actually getting to get those game reps. Cause that's huge. You know, like, um, I mean, just, I mean, you're a basketball guy. So obviously, you know, I mean, he wasn't going out and seeking contact in the same way that he had been. He actually was doing the opposite. Um, he used to rarely take floaters, um, when he first got here in Indiana. And I believe the majority of his at rim attempts were floaters this year. Uh, in the time that he did play, obviously it was only a 13 game stretch, but still very uncharacteristic for him. He wasn't getting quite the same lift on his, on his jumper and just jumping to the rim in general uh, until towards the end, there were some flashes of it, like you mentioned. Um, but I think, yeah. And, and he, he mentioned that himself. I mean, he was, he, he, he was quoted as saying that he was trying to convert his garage into a home gym where he could do any kind of training or anything. He wasn't able to go to any of his training facilities um, wasn't even able to see most of his trainers. Um, and, you know, he, he also harped on how important it was for him to actually get those in-game reps, and he wasn't getting them. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think it all just boils down to, obviously, like you said, there are potentially other implications and stuff outside this, but uh, I think it, it definitely 100% makes sense to me why there would be any kind of question as to whether or not you'd be ready to go and, and play and potentially re-aggravate an injury like this because – um, I mean, obviously it's different because Tony Parker was pretty late in his career when this happened. I believe he was 30, 34, 35 at the time that he injured his quad. Um, but I mean, he just wasn't the same player after that. And uh, obviously that, a lot of that's due to age, but it, for it, with a re-injury to, to, to his quad, that would have been, um, especially with his free agency coming up, that would have been devastating. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's exactly what it is. And the thing you got to remember is this, this ramp up, isn't a normal schedule either. You know, it's a compressed schedule and, you know, it doesn't take long for of inactivity or a change in schedule to, for there to be biomechanical changes in your body. You know, I mean, shoot, I know my, my activity level has dropped considerably since, since March 11th or whatever really it was, but, um, and I'm not an NBA player, you know, I'm not an, an NBA athlete. So, you know, you can get things like an increase in tissue stiffness. You know, you can get an increase in, uh, you know, a, a decrease in your conditioning, a, a decrease in, in, in other, like I said, biomechanical properties that can lend itself to potential re-injury, uh, eventual, or, or a new injury. And, and that's the big thing. And, and you kind of hinted at, hit it at. You've got to play the mental aspect of this recovery as well. Um, it's, it's not something that the general public generally thinks about when we – when we discuss an injury, but confidence in that injured leg is a big thing. And, you know, if you go into a, a game trying to play differently, you can open yourself up to another injury. So you have to be confident in what you're going to do and, and your fluid movements and, and not hesitant. And if, 
if he didn't trust the leg, he didn't trust the leg. And he needed, he needs to, like you said, get those reps to, to build confidence in himself and in, in the, the leg that it's, it's healthy. It's ready to go. It can withstand the things that, that make him so valuable and so, such a dangerous offensive weapon. So um, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm eager to see him back on the court. I, I hope that he's able to make the right decision for sure. And, and I know, like I said, those pace, that Pacers medical staff is going to put him in the best position to, to, to be at the highest level possible. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree, man. And it's actually really funny. I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but I spoke to David West probably a month and a half ago. And it's funny because I'd known that the Pacers had a solid medical staff, but obviously, you know, that's not something that normally is thrown around. Like, you know, we, we talked about earlier, um, you were one of the people who really started to, to build this uh, a database for, for injuries and injury analysis to really ramp that up. And so it's not necessarily public knowledge for most people because the NBA didn't track that stuff for, for, for the public. And so when David West was telling me why he chose Indiana, he said very heavily on the forefront of his mind was the fact that Indiana had a great uh, training staff. And he actually directly mentioned Josh Corbeil, which I thought was really cool. You know, like I, you never think about how, how impactful that could be to somebody coming there. Cause he was coming off the first injury of his career um, with New Orleans. And he said that it was, you know, the most devastating time of his life. And, he came to Indiana and he played in his first season. It was the lockout year. So he played 66 yeah. games entire year, only time in his career. Um, and he credited the, the training staff largely for that and for why he came here, um, which, you know, I just think that's a really interesting thing to look at. And actually speaking on the lockout a little bit, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, um, do you think that there are like kind of any comparisons? Well, I mean, I think some comparisons have been drawn, um, but do you think that there are some maybe similarities and differences between uh, the current situation with, with COVID lockdown and uh, the, the 99 and, and 2011 lockouts, because obviously, you know, there were significant issues with injuries that, that popped up after that. And um, in those seasons, obviously you're able to still be practicing and scrimmaging and, and, and getting runs in. So that's different as well. But uh, if you could speak on that, that would be, I'd love to hear your opinion on that. I, I mean, I, th I think, Overall, it's going to be different, and thus I think the overall inherent risk is just going to be elevated across the board for everybody um, because it is a different schedule. You're playing a little bit more frequently. Uh, but – and really what, I, what I'm tracking when I'm looking for injuries because I'm, I'm, I'm already back to, to tracking these injuries we're seeing. You know, we saw De'Aaron Fox go down with the sprained ankle. Um, reports of Zion having some leg cramps. And, and so the, the injuries are already starting to, you know, pop up a little bit in this this preseason quote-unquote you know ramping up for the eight seeding games so you know um I think there's a chance for some soft tissue injury increase over this little period but you know it, it makes tracking really hard um this season is going to be <laughs> an anomaly when it comes it's to it's going to be a haul man I bet yeah so trying to include it in any other previous seasons you know we, we we're going to have to throw out almost anything that was open. I, I, I had, I think over 80 injuries open when the league went into hiatus and you know, we've closed some of them because those players have been, you know, those teams have been eliminated. So we know those are season enders, quote, you know, um, but we also know some guys like, like Brogdon are recovered from an injury. So they're actually going to be able to return to play and, and miss fewer games, but they had a longer break in between. So um you know, I'm, I'm also curious to see if we have any stress-related issues pop up. Do we have any stress fractures or stress-related um, issues in terms of, 
you know, guys weren't doing much, then they jump up their, their workload. And so I'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. Cause we've seen in previous, previous shortened seasons, um, some of those numbers go up a little bit as well. So um, there's plenty of things that medical staffs around the league will be tracking and monitoring uh, as we move forward into the, into these eight seeding games and then the postseason. So um, I, it's, this is a huge, crazy, weird ex- experiment for everybody. And, uh, I'm interested to see what, what happens. Um, you know, ho- hopefully we continue to keep those, those cases of COVID-19 low, um, you know, player safety is extremely important. And that, that's the thing we have to remember here is it, it's not just, you know, the, the, the sprains and the strains that we're worried about. It's we're still in the middle of a pandemic. So making sure those guys um, are safe. Cause I mean, that's the other thing we're finding about this virus is, you know, it's pretty variable. And, you know, I know the NBA players have to have a cardiac screening before they can return if they've tested positive, things like that to make sure if the players do are able to return, they're returning, you know, in the safest manner possible. So um, keeping a close eye on it all for sure. It's it's a weird, <laughs> I can't say it enough. It's it's a weird, unique experience. For sure. Yeah, it is a, it's a crazy experience. I think everybody that I've talked to um, since, since the game, that was canceled since the OKC jazz game. Uh, everybody's had the same thing to say, man, it, regardless of, of what area they're coming from, it's just a weird situation and you can't really equate it to anything else. Um, and for me, I mean, this is like the first real moment of my life where I've, uh, I've kind of been part of history, you know, like you witness history going on around you. Like my parents, um, they were around when, when, uh, when nine 11 happened, they remember that vividly and they remember where they were. My grandparents remember where they were when, you know, JFK was assassinated or something like that. And uh, for me, it's, I remember when the NBA season was canceled because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's weird to compare sports to everything. Sometimes it seems really trivial, but I think for the most part, you know, that was when uh, I think the country really took notice of how significant this was because, you know, I, I'd obviously heard rumblings about it, but only from reading, you know, the athletic articles uh, that were out about uh, COVID potentially, you know, being impacted, impactful in America and how uh, the, the coaching association and the NBA uh, had already been looking at, at it and the ways that they might be making changes throughout the season. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's wild times, man. And, and it happened real quickly. It ramped up, you know, we were talking about having <laughs> playing games with no fans in the arena. And the next thing you know, the season has been suspended. So um, you know, it, it's a fluid situation regarding everything, you know, um, and I hate, to, I hate to get on that soapbox, but you know, we, we, everybody needs to continue to play their part, you know, wear your mask. Oh, social, yeah. Social I distancing. totally agree. If you're um, not wearing a mask, what I, I just, it, at this point, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't even think it's a soapbox, man. Like yeah. it's, it, I mean, yeah, uh, I, it's it's hard to talk about without getting a little bit aggravated sometimes. I'll be honest. Sure, sure. and then go buy you know go buy a Pacers mask. You know, if, if if go buy whatever your favorite team is, wear that. Be supportive. You know, I mean, these players and coaches are are trying to to do their part as well, and and so and hopefully, hopefully everybody can can see that you know if we want to. And here's here's the thing that that's kind of out there that no one's really talking about all that much is we're going to finish this season unless, you know, something drastic happens with the cases, but what are we in next season? Cause they're not going to put everyone back into a bubble for another 82 games. And mm-hmm. so, you know, what is that going to look like? And if this isn't, you know, under control, I don't know if they're going to be able to just start back, you know, the following season in December. So, and what's that going to look like? And, you know, preparing, preparing to play without fans. So, you know, while the bubble will be unique and interesting to want to, to, to manage, 
the, the following season is the one that, that really is going to be the one impacted by this whole, this whole pandemic. Because again, you can't, they're not going to shut down that part of Disney for A2. No one's going to sign up for that, you know? So we've got to figure out a, a way to have a normal, uh, as normal possible season under the parameters of, of whatever status we're in at that point. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I actually, I, I think I'd thought more in terms of looking at next season. I, I, you know, just being worried about injuries compounding because you look at it. I mean, the teams that play in the finals, I believe they have, uh, sli- it's either slightly over or slightly under a month before training camp would start for the next season. Um, and that is beyond unprecedented. Uh, and also I'm sure it, I, I, you know, that's one of the last things I wanted to ask you how, if, if it were to start in December, uh, which I really am hoping that the NBA changes that. I know that there had been rumblings. I believe there was an article that came out uh, uh, probably two or three days ago that the NBA was looking at potentially uh, um, moving the season back, but they were looking more in terms of being able to have fans come instead of worrying about the player health necessarily. And so I don't know. I think that there's not to say that there isn't more potential, that there is more potential next season for injuries. But I mean, the fact that you could have guys who are having smaller, more minor stress, stress injuries and soft tissue injuries that occur, you know, during this bubble play. And then they have a, a way shortened off season into another crazy hectic environment. I mean, I, I feel like that could be a, a, a massive uh, injury epidemic on top of the current pandemic, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, it, but it's all fluid, you know, we mm-hmm. can't, predict what tomorrow is going to bring in terms of so much of, of what 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 we're dealing with so it's hard to get a good gauge on what it's going to look like in December I mean if you would have told me you know in March this is what it's going to look like this many months later you know that we're going to be potentially worse than we were in March in terms of the numbers and, and things like that that I mean not potentially yet we're worse though we're, we're worse when we were when we started but we're still going to play. You know, I, I don't. I don't know what I would have thought. So who knows what's going to happen by the time December rolls around? Hopefully, there'll be some kind of advancement on what, either a therapy or or a vaccine that that is going to enable some of those numbers to drop and, and things to be smoother. But you know, it it also seems very trivial. You know, when when schools are trying to open and you've got college campuses closing down and doing virtual schooling and things like that. So um, it, it's. <laughs> it's going to be interesting for sure. I, 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 I will, I will rather, I would rather, you know, then push it back a little bit from a standpoint of giving those teams and look, you know, the NBA knows what, what they're dealing with. And, you know, if you're talking about an LA Milwaukee hypothetical final, you know, they're not going to run the risk of LeBron or Giannis or one of those, you know, guys getting some kind of injury rushing back, you know, a, a month later. So, um, I think you'll see a compressed off season for sure, you know, um, which, you know, the draft and, and new free agent acquisition, things like that. But um, uh, I, I'm betting we see a little, the, the start of the season delayed at least, at least until later December, if not into the new year as well, so that we can ensure uh, the, 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 the player health. I mean, look, the NBA has been one of the best teams or the best leagues about player safety. And like, I, I know this is, inherently risky what they're doing but you know I think it was worth the chance it was worth a try I respect every player that's decided to opt out I think that's their prerogative um you know so um it's it's not it's it's not black and white it's it's a complex issue and uh, I hope I hope fans understand that you know and and the outcomes of the games and things like that are um 
are not as heavily scrutinized potentially as they could be because everyone's dealing with, with weird conditions here. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I really, really like what you said about it not being black and white. And uh, I fully agree because you know, the major reason I wanted to have you on is because you're good at providing and showing that it's not black and white. And um, I think people kind of need to need to hear that a little bit, especially, you know, coming, coming at, at Vic and his injury and um, the league at large with, with COVID and everything. Cause I, I think, um, I, I don't know. I, I always want to be true to the guys playing and to the people listening. And um, I, I just think that we got to be careful with how we view everything and, and talk about it, especially right now with how unprecedented times are. Um, Jeff, what are you working on right now, man? Uh, what, what do you got coming up uh, heading into the weekend? So uh, I published earlier this week on instreetclothes.com. We have a, we did a, so where the health art were we um, just kind of a look at, a playoff of Zach Lowe's podcast that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at each one of the teams that are in the Eastern conference and, and where their injuries were going into the hiatus and where they, where they are coming out. Um, and we'll be doing that with the Western conference. Um, it'll be probably going up early next week. So just kind of giving everyone a, a, a refresher course of who's available, who's not available, you know, what happened because, you know, <laughs> so much of it is just completely left my, my brain. And so I, and I'm the guy that tracks, tracks all this stuff, so having, <laughs> yeah. you know, making sure, you know, Hey, is this guy over that? Or, you know, oh, I'd forgotten that guy was, was sitting. I mean, I've completely forgotten like Jalen Brown had been sitting out with a strain hamstring when, when everything happened. So um, he's back. And so it's guys like that, you know, um, Brogdon's going to be back for, for Indiana. Um, and then you've got some other guys that are done, you know, the, that opted that had, different injuries pop up during the off during the uh during the hiatus you know for the for the Mavericks Jalen Brunson had shoulder surgery as did LaMarcus Aldridge for the Spurs um you know Bradley Beal has opted out um do a rotator cuff things like that so just kind of trying to provide everybody a a good glimpse at, at what the teams are looking like health-wise um as we we had these eight seeding games and then the uh the postseason awesome well actually I have uh, I have that first page book bark. So I will be getting around to that. I've been so busy lately. I finally dropped my article today that I've been working on for a couple of weeks. So I, I will have time to read that now. Um, Jeff, thanks a ton for coming on, man. I really appreciate having you. Uh, it, it, was, it was great to talk with you and, uh, and uh, get acquainted with you a little bit. And uh, to everyone listening, please, like me and Jeff talked, wear a mask. All right. It's not too hard. Just be safe out there. Be a good human being. Um, and we'll get through it if we keep working together. Uh, Have a good rest of your day and go Pacers.